Credit Card, brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only, acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Euro. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl, more for you. And uh, once again, Fanula, uh, 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 Fanula, Esther and Leslie uh, join us for Movies and Booze. Good afternoon to you all. Good afternoon. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Yeah. All right, there you're all coming in uh, uh, loud and clear. The uh, hashtag is, as I said, uh, nude movies, good willy hunting, uh, which is one that's actually featured quite a lot so far uh, uh, on the Twitter machine. Uh, so, uh, Leslie, is it Portugal we're visiting today? Portugal, Portugal, yes. The country, apparently we, more Irish people per head of population visit Portugal on their holidays than any other country, than any other nationality goes to Portugal. And I love their wines and they're not as well known in Ireland as they should be. Uh, indeed, yeah, I didn't know that about. Well, obviously, Irish people aren't visiting anywhere at the moment. But I didn't realize no. about. Uh, uh, but I remember one. hearing this. Now, I'm doing a check on this, but I looked it up uh, on th- the figures uh, today, and it was four hundred and something thousand people, Irish people, visited Portugal on holidays in 2019, which put us ninth in their figures. And the rest were countries like Spain and countries like countries with big populations. Um, we were by far the smallest country, and with number nine on the list so um and portuguese wines are great and we we they're in almost every shop but people are afraid of them because they've never heard of bastardo and turiga nacional and tintarores and all these obscure grapes so uh bastardo i'm sure has yeah a, it's good a, one, isn't it? has a story to tell uh, <laughs> yes uh, perhaps and uh, esther uh two interesting films today one i suspect is is a goodie not sure about the other one uh so let uh, that's one on drumming yeah, spot on, John. Um, Sound of Metal has been on my radar for a while because sometimes when you're interviewing a, um, an actor, they can't really hide, um, you know, as good an actor as they might be, they can't really hide their excitement about their next project and they try and play it down. But I talked to Olivia Cook um, last year and I could feel a buzz, a buzz from her for this one and it is absolutely superb. Um, it's a first time uh, filmmaker, which is always a surprise when you get something this special um, by the name of Darius Marder. Um, not so surprising when you realise he's a background in film editing. So um, we'll go into that later and why that really matters here. But it's about um, a punk rock drummer who is in um, a, a duo, an alternative rock duo. With um, He's played by Riz Ahmed and she's played by Olivia Cook and... Um, these people have backgrounds, they've got story, their characters you get really invested in. But one, di- one night after a particularly noisy gig, his um, hearing just goes off the grid. He, st- he starts to go rapidly deaf, mm. gets a hearing test, find- finds he has a quarter of his hearing left um, and has to kind of address that. And he also has a background in addiction. So his girlfriend's really learned that this is going to send him back to a very dark place. Uh, it's could- a really... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, could Riz Ahmed, could he drum already? Did he have to learn to drum for it? I think he learned, yeah. I think he did learn for it and he's really good. He's really convincing. There isn't a huge amount of drumming scenes, um, Mm. but the percussion stuff 
works its way into the film in a really interesting way, I would say. Yeah. Um, this <laughs> is one, like, one of those, like, drummers would be watching a film like that saying he's not really drumming there at all. You know, they'd be quite nerdy about it. Yes, yeah. Um, no, he's very convincing, looks the part as well, and, and makes some terrible... Uh, life choices but you're still so <laughs> on board with his character you know very very special this I, I love particularly I felt I feel like I did when I came out of a quiet place going oh my god the sound people are geniuses first of all and I've been totally played with there um, and that's where I felt about this one there is a lot of really interesting sound stuff um, going on with it as well right uh, now Thunder Force uh yeah. Is it time for Melissa McCarthy to go on an extended holiday to Portugal? Yes. I mean, it's just such a waste of the two of them. Like, it's not an awful film, but it's just so by numbers, you know. Um, and Octavia Spencer, as well as Melissa McCarthy, is an actor I'm very on board with, you know. I thought these could be a good two-hander the way we got... Um, with McCarthy um, in, and Sandra Bullock in The Heat, which I thought was a really good fun. Um, but this is bland, man. It's too bland and it's a waste of a good cast. It's, you've got Bobby Cannavale and Jason Bateman on board here. Um, and I don't want to be causing a domestic in the McCarthy household, um, Sean, but like her husband, Ben Falcone, who's an actor as well, but he's a director and he wrote screenplay here. And I think they need to sit down and have dinner and have a little chat because he has directed some of her most unfunny comedies mm. to my mind like The Boss um, Life of the Party and the terrible Tammy um, were all his films so yeah awkward oh, total awkward time in the McCarthy household oh point. gosh yeah will it be an awkward time in the McCarthy household on Sunday oh no because <laughs> I have a text here in front of me saying uh, could you wish Esther a happy birthday uh, uh, that's from uh, Aoife and, and Nisha McCarthy. Oh, my lovely nieces. Oh, yeah. bless them. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Uh, you yeah, it's a big it's a big birthday. So I'm having kind of like every year is a privilege in my mind, Sean. Don't Indeed. get me wrong. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a double lockdown birthday now with a zero at the end of it has me a little bit spooked. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, so any, any plans? Going to go for a walk maybe? Woohoo! I think I'll probably do my best Bridget Jones impression, you know, just drink loads of Chardonnay and put put on all by myself and turn it up loud and have a little pity party. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, I hope it's nicer than that. Uh, I hope it's nicer than that. Uh, it will be, it will be. It already has been, actually. People have been lovely. All right, good. Uh, that's on Sunday anyway. So uh, uh, um, uh, remember on Sunday, folks, on, on the old Twitter machine to uh, wish Esther a happy birthday. Uh, and uh, uh, Fanula, I didn't know that actors did this. Uh, Amanda Seyfried is basically publicly lobbying for a role. Yeah, she is absolutely on the bag for a role as Glinda the Good Witch in the upcoming uh, movie adaptation of Wicked, the musical. I'd be very interested to hear what listeners uh, have to say about this or what they think about this, because I wouldn't be a huge musical person, but I know I'd imagine people have strong opinions about this. Um, this is due out at some stage. It's John M. Chu is directing. Uh, he's doing In the Heights, which is out later this year as well. 
she said that basically she's kind of borderline harassing him and has sent him videos of her singing popular. Um, she kind of has ideas in mind for who would play um, Elphaba. Uh, like she's not a casting director, is in no way involved with this project, but ha- is constantly name dropping this in every, a lot of interviews she's done. This is a recent one. Um, so we could be seeing her uh, as Glinda the Good Witch in Wicked. I don't know. It'd be very know. interesting to see. If I was a director there, I, you know, Go shite, Mrs. If you're going to publicly harass me over it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. And like, again, this is where I'd be interested in people's opinions because like, obviously we saw her name is. I do think she's a good actor. I mean, I'm just, I, I don't know. I don't know if I see her as Glinda the Good Witch. And I especially don't know if I see her if she's just like groveling for it. You know, like give it a rest. Yeah, it's a, it is an odd one. All right. Uh, anyway, Leslie, uh, which uh, which uh, Portuguese one would you like to talk about first? So we start with the white, I think. And mm. what I have is a wine from northern Portugal, uh, Vina Verde. Back years ago, when there wasn't much wine available in Ireland except for cheap branded stuff in the supermarkets, Vina Verde was one of those um, Farden wines that you know that were different to the sort of branded French wines we used to see. And um, it's technically a region in the north of Portugal, so you're right in the far north, north of Porto heading towards the Portuguese border. The grape varieties they use are, uh, Lurera is the main one, but you also get Alvarinho. And in fact, a lot of the Portuguese Alvarinho comes from this region. So Alvarinho being the same as Alvarinho, it's actually originally a Portuguese grape. Um, but um, I've always loved Vina Verde. There's just something really summery and fresh and zingy about it. What's interesting with this one is it's a 10% um, alcohol, which mm. people don't particularly fret about that. It's, it's still plenty. Um, it's Afros 10. 2020 is the brand is the, is the vintage um and it's just really zingy and fresh now you it's got loads of ripeness but also loads of acidity so it's like it's like coca-cola in that it's you know it hits the mouth all ripe and fruity but then all this bitter lemon zing kicks in um it's it's uh, small off licenses mainly um so you're talking i think this is it then in ennis diamond have it um, I got this in the Green Man wine, in Green Man wines in Terenure, um, but you'll get it in Bag of Street Wines, Martins in Fairview, a few places like that. Um, it's I, I just think Portugal is great. Um, Lurera is always interesting. It can be a little bit more fragrant. They use it in, actually, use a little bit of, up across the border in Rias Baixas as well. And so you will get it blended, but on its own, it can be um, anything from quite fragrant and, and textured to, um, to zingy and fresh and so on. Often you get a little hint of spritz. Um, I did drop a bit in. Sean, did you get a taste? Did you? What do you think? Yes, I did. It was, it, it was lovely. I, I, I'm, I, I was surprised by the ten percent now. That, um, yeah, is Vina Verde in general uh, uh, that low, or is it just usually a little higher? Usually like eleven, yeah. twelve or so. Um, yeah. Um, they do pick the grapes green, though. That's I mean, Vina Verde. People think it, it's so Verde means green. Um, so in tr- there is a tradition there. Well, it said this is that I don't know if this is actually a tradition or is just something we've we've imagined because of the name of the wine. But it is generally the grapes are picked a little younger and they're often bottled with a little bit of spritz in the bottle um just a little kind of sometimes they'll actually add that artificially but originally they would have been bottled before they were fully fermented so there would have been a, a touch of the petillant naturel uh, going on with them um right. but yeah but i think that's good i mean it, it's just it's perfect for kind of the sun is shining now and it was raining earlier but you know kind of it, it just puts me in good form wine like this and it's you know you can drink a couple of glasses without fretting over it you know and it's not something you need to fuss about this is 18 now so it's not very cheap but you will get inexpensive Vina Verde less than that if people want to explore it. Um, some of the supermarkets will have it as well. Um, but this is like a, from a small producer. Um, and I, I just, you know, I'm glad you'd like it as well as I do. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, and a 10% Esther can have it for breakfast uh, on yes. Sunday, start, start the day <laughs> off her. Uh, somebody wants to know, can you ask Leslie for the science behind Vina Verde? Oh, I read once that the white wine uh, is mostly made using white grapes and red wine from red grapes, but that it's possible to make white wine using red grapes. Is that true? So what is yes. the colour of the grapes used in Vina Verde? Uh, no, generally it's it's Luera, which is a white grape, and Albarino. Yeah. I've not come across red grapes being used for Vina Verde, but it's perfectly possible. There are pink versions up there. When I've, I was actually in the region a couple of years back, and uh, I really loved it, actually, and the really good food and stuff around the place. Um, there was the red wine, it's a really traditional red wine up there, is really, it's almost blood red in, co- in colour, and really, really soft and dark. I mean, your teeth would be stained with it. Um, and that would be from the local red grape which would be things like no Jesus with them there's so many there's like hundreds of Portuguese grape varieties we've most of them we've never heard of um that would be I would suspect Nacional is there because it's everywhere that's their most common grape the only grape that people would red grape people would know is is um Tintorores, which is Tempranillo, which is the same grape that they use in Spain. Um, sorry, I'm getting away from the subject. Uh, red, white wine from red grapes. Yes, absolutely. There was a white Cabernet going around the market there a couple of years ago because the guy in Australia had a really crap vintage and he couldn't make red wine. So he just um, crushed the grapes, took it off the skins immediately and then treated it like a white wine. Mm. Um, so That's if you think about orange wines, the orange wines are left are, are that way because they've, they've had skin contact. We don't leave... Um, this is a natural orange wines, which are quite tannic. White, all white wine is usually you crush the skins and then you take the juice off immediately and you treat it separately in a stainless steel tank or possibly in a barrel. Um, but champagne, don't forget, is mostly made with red grapes. Pinot yeah. Noir is a red grape, Pinot Meunier. So, yes, yeah, so it's perfectly possible. Um, and um, you'll even, I've seen, yeah, in general, it's best to make white wine from white from green grapes, champagne being the exception. And in, in general, that's, that works better in my view. Um, I've had some rather uninteresting white wines made from red grapes that I've not liked. Yeah. Uh, and now, uh, Mary and Leisha uh, on a different subject says uh, she has a bottle of wine that's corked. Um, yeah, could it be used in a casserole? No. Yeah, I, I, thought, so I thought you were yeah. going to say that. Yeah. Uh, right. I, look, I, I actually tried boiling a bottle down to see if I could make it taste better, and I still could get the cork smell off. You know, yeah. oxidized is different. Oxidized actually wines are perfect for cooking, and that's where they go a bit sherry-like. You know. And uh, Richard the Thatcher says, uh, would the reason more people in Ireland aren't aware of Portuguese wine uh, be the result of a dastardly communist plot hatched by the media in general and news talk in particular? <laughs> ah, ah, you've been caught out again. <laughs> Shut up, Richard. Uh, and, uh, Esther, what, uh, uh, what film would you like to talk about first? Oh, Richard is great. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, let's do Sound of Metal. It's so special and loads to say that. Do the deed. The deed. Surgery. How'd you get the money? Sold my RV. Okay. Look, Joe, I really don't want to explain myself right now. Okay? It's time, okay? It's time. I gotta do something. Right? Try and save my life. So that's what I'm doing. Okay, no one else is going to save my life, right? There you go. That's uh, Sound of Metal uh, there. Right. So I suppose firstly and most importantly, um, uh, where can people watch this and from when, Esther? 
This will be on Amazon Prime um, from Monday, Sean, and I'm glad you flagged that. So you won't, you won't get to see it until after the weekend. Right, it's okay. It's dropping on Monday. Yeah, finally, because and you kind of see, because I, I saw all oh, that films on Amazon Prime, but that means American Amazon Prime rather than yeah, the there's a lot of that. Over here. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. That's a really big scene in the film, the one we just played the clip from, um, because Ruben um, has gone and had a, I can't pronounce this word properly, a cochlear ear implant. No, you did very well. Yeah. Okay. He's had an ear implant. He's gone down that road um, and he has been spending time in a counselling centre for deaf people where the whole idea to save him from um, going back into addiction is to learn to live with his deafness and accept it. Um, and he's under the charge of another recovering addict who he's talking to there, who's a man by the name of Joe, um, an actor by the name of Paul Ratchie, who is just fantastic here. Oscar nominated in supporting category as well. Worth noting because everyone's talking about Ahmed, I think. Um, and it's a very moving scene. And the, the older man is just kind of so disappointed with him um, and this path he's taken. And, and I suppose the proof that he's in complete denial over where he's disability is going um, and, and, and let alone how he's going to learn to live with it because he has like as I say he's a, re- a really good drummer and they're very like they're so alternative rock it's almost a, a parody mm-hmm. it's just him and Olivia Cook's character Lou and uh, he plays drums and she kind of wails into the um, microphone and it's kind of performance art thing but they're quite popular they've got an rv they toured the country they're in the middle of a tour and they feel like it's taking off for them um when after one gig uh, you get the sense in backstory that there's been a hearing issue for a while but after one gig it just really falls off a cliff um they're lovers as well as well as well as best friends as well as band partners um so when she starts when he starts to lose his hearing she's really alarmed not just because of his potential disability but because he's a recovering addict and she first met him four years previously he was in a bad way Mm. um and he cleaned up his act out of love for her so you're very invested in these people from very very early on um we learn he was she kind of pushes him into into uh, going. He goes through a hearing test, by the way, and finds out he has 24 percent hearing left in one one of his ears and that he needs to work very hard to preserve the hearing that he has. Um, what does he do, Sean? He goes and does another gig that night. <laughs> um, so he's a, a man in total denial and obviously quite a frustrating character to be around as well. But against his wishes um, and, and, you know, Basically, she frog marches him to a counselling centre for, for deaf people, um, which is unique in that it's under the charge of another recovering addict. So he knows what's going on. He knows to take the, the, the mobile phone away and that the girlfriend needs to go somewhere else. Um, so she moves back to France to her family. She's a French um, background. And so begins his journey. And they're just, this is really sad. I have to flag people for for the times we live in. This is not an easy watch. You know, it's really, really somber. Um, but it's there's a real tenderness as well to it, I suppose. There are beautiful scenes where, for example, he has to learn sign language and he's doing that with a group of kids who, you know, have been born deaf and are going through their schooling. Mm. Um, and they're helping him. And there's a gorgeous scene on uh, on a metal slide with one kid where they... Um, 
play percussion on on opposite ends of the slide really um and and they communicate in that way and there's there's no sound all you hear is them banging and smiling at each other and that actually feeds into what's a really visceral experience as a viewer because you are as a viewer here the person of handicap because what the director um, Darius Marder has done this. First of all, you've closed. The first thing I did when I put on the screener was try try to knock off the closed caption subtitles because yeah. they're one of my favorite grumpy things. Actually, they drive <laughs> me mad. I couldn't do it. That's how the film is screened. I had I had no option but to watch subtitles and to watch the description of sound. So I was experiencing this film as would a deaf person. That sounds like it could have gone that badly wrong and it could have been a terrible distraction, but actually made me kind of catch my breath when I twigged what was going on and it really fed into the film I think um he does that a bit uh the filmmaker he you know the, the there is scene there is a scene where one character sings in French and you don't get to get the translation um and then sometimes you go in and out of Ruben's head almost that's kind of handled by you don't literally it's not being John Malkovich you don't literally go into his head mm. but it's you kind of pan in and out of his experience through the camera work where sound becomes muffled you can barely decipher what's going on um so you know nominated for six oscars uh at the end of the month it's running away with the sound one what this adds to the film as an experience is really special and it's really bold and daring directing i think from from darius murder for a first time film like the cheek of him to try all these experiments (laughs) um and it was just Brilliant. It, it reminded me, you know, it, it looks at codependency in a relationship as well, in, in the way a lot of films don't. Um, so it reminded me a little of, of the likes of, of the great melodramas, so like A Star is Born. Um, but mostly it's about this man and his inability, I suppose, to get on board with what's happening in his life and, and the people who are reaching out to him with, with, within that. So very sad and dark but very humane as well. Wow. And the last, I got a little bit bored. It's um, in the middle because it, people who've seen Mirari or Nomadland will understand what I'm saying in that there seems to be a trend at the moment for films that don't follow a typical narrative arc. They almost just seem to exist within themselves, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And, and Sound of Metal is one of those as well. You know, it's about process. It's about the experience of, of, of rehab. And I did get a little bored halfway through I have to say and go please don't lose me now because you're doing so many things right Mm. and then just the last half hour is just incredible you know it's really moving I've I I only watched it last night it's still with me and um I think you know everyone's dazzled at Judas and the Black Messiah and Promising Young Woman and all all the wavy films in the Oscars this year (laughs) but I would say watch out for this one Watch out for an screenplay in particular and definitely in, in, in ed- editing, um, sound editing, but also for Riz, Riz Ahmed's and Paul Rackey's performances. Are they, know, are they both they nominated? For, are they both, They're nom- both, both nominated? Six, nomina- six nominations in all, including Best Picture. Right. OK, very interesting. Yeah, uh, someone yeah. sexed in to say uh, that film sounds like uh, the plot anyway, sounds a bit like the 90s movie starring Paul Kay calling It's All Gone Pete Tong, where in a beats a superstar DJ goes deaf. Does sound a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. 
Totally like, different in tone, though. Yeah, my God. totally different. I, I, I would have thought. Uh, and Keen, uh, uh, the drum machine, uh, as he calls himself, he's the Clyde Stubblefield of Ireland. Keen knows who I'm talking about. Says, "Is this a hundred percent record for drumming movies?" So, Whiplash was also amazing. Us drummers are just obviously the coolest, most interesting people. We don't just hit things. That implies that they do also hit things. Uh, uh, but well, well, drummers always have thought they were the coolest, most yeah. interesting people in the band. So. Uh, but uh, compared to Whiplash, but uh, also, you know, about drumming uh, and very emotionally fraught. Yeah, I mean, two two totally different films uh, in, in their own way. I, I, I just kept thinking of Star is Born watching this. It's, you know I'm a fool for the melodrama anyway. I'm a complete idiot for them. But that that is definitely what this is here, you know. And it's just... Some great acting and writing makes you stay on board with it, even when it goes to kind of eccentric places. Right. It's just really great. Okay, I'm I really... Just, I, can't I, wait to see what this guy does next, to yeah. be honest. You uh, know? I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Now, Fanula, have you seen it? Um, I haven't, but it's been on my list. There's a podcast that I listen to and they've been constantly name dropping it. So, And when I saw it come up with, with the Oscars as well, I was like, hmm, I need to get into that. But I loved Whiplash. Yeah. So I love watching people hit things and noise coming out and I also love melodrama sir, so I feel like I will like this so. right oh yeah you will then okay uh, well yeah, uh, we maybe will yeah, give you a key in the drum machine's uh, phone number uh, and uh, seeing that you like people hitting things uh, uh, Les- Leslie uh, Texter says we were at a wedding in Portugal and had a wine which looked white but tasted red can't remember the name we had a dish called Cataplana with it says Paul I don't know if you were there, uh, Leslie. Uh, yeah, Paul is hoping I you were. I, I was at the bar at the time that it was served. Um, I can't remember. No, um, I, I don't know what that was. Um, yes. No, <laughs> obviously you don't know what that was, but, you know, he's trying his best there. Uh, the the uh, Paul in Dublin 7 says, I don't like sourdough. So in February, I started making wine. I got some glass demijohns, yeast, equipment, etc. And met by accident a master brewer who sold me 20 litres of calf soap grape juice he imported from a vineyard uh, in France. Uh, and uh, I have five batches bubbling away and it tastes good so far, but bottling it next month and popping one midsummer, it is complicated, but great crack. It's like rearing my kids, uh, uh, says Paul. Is, is that a fair comparison, do you think, Leslie? Yeah, I think it probably is. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are you going to name? You should name them all as well. You know? yes. and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are people who've tried to make wine here. Um, I mean, so we put this David Dwellen, obviously, out in, out in Lusk, who does uh, quite a decent job. Um, the problem with Ireland and the weather is you need 30 degrees on average through August, and we just don't ever get that. Um, but I know someone in Cork who has a vineyard. In fact, probably even know the person or know of theirs. The, the, the pig's back. Um, mm. That that um, that really good salamis and stuff. Isabel, who's from France originally, she has a whole lot of grapes growing on her back garden wall. And I know she was certainly intending on making wine. I don't know if she ever got around to doing it, but but like enough to make wine. Um, and but uh, look, yeah, yeah, the grape juice thing is interesting. Um, and and it's quite a common thing in in America for Italians to buy in grape juice and stuff often imported from Italy and make their own wine because they're following the family tradition that they always did and so on. That's how everyone got through uh, Prohibition, all the grape growers, because they made kits and they would have instructions on them saying, be careful when you when drinking this, if you leave it in, a, if you do this and this to it, it could ferment and then there would be alcohol and obviously that's illegal. Yes. <laughs> so they give instructions. Oh no, nightmare scenario. Uh, ben says, I don't know if I'm losing my mind. This has actually happened to me the last few weekends too. I don't know if I'm losing my mind, but I don't seem to be able to open Open a bottle of wine these days without breaking the cork. Maybe I'm too eager. Anyway, is there a fancy wine opener uh, thingy that I can buy to stop me doing this? 
Oh, you could stick to screw caps. Um, but yeah, there is. So the, the screw cap, the screw pull is probably your best bet. Um, they're expensive, but they're but they are really, really good. Um, and I would go with the original screw pull or possibly the rabbit, not the knockoff versions because they break within two or three uses. This is the thing where you clamp um, mm. two handles around the wine and then basically there's a lever that you lift up and then lift down and it, it, it basically catches the grape and so on. Um, they're incredible yokes. Um, just don't ever try to open a bottle of Prosecco like I stupidly did a friend of mine try to do it and I think he broke it. It was worth about 200 quid at the time. They used to be very expensive. They're much less expensive now. Um, so that's one. But to be honest, the waiter's friend is your absolute best bet right? yeah that's the you know you cut the top off you you get a teflon coated screw which you gently you put in slowly and you lever it out gently but just make damn sure you push the, the screw right the way through don't worry about bits of cork in the wine that doesn't matter it's in touch with the cork all its life and um, it doesn't do any harm to it whatsoever and you can just pick them out with your finger and just slowly and a long thin teflon coated screw on the corkscrew, do not use the ones that look like little people with with the levers on either side. Dreadful looks, unless you buy. Oh, really are they? Because I because I I, when I I broke the second cork uh, last yeah. weekend, and I'm yeah. using the waiter's friend. That uh, I thought maybe it's just this, maybe or you know maybe I'm yeah, losing no, the strength in my wrists to do this. Generally, they're really bad, especially if they're cheap ones, and because the the screw is usually way too short. It's usually half the length of a of the screw on a mm. on a. On a, on a waiter's friend. So that's one thing. It doesn't go down far enough. But the second thing is the really cheap ones are thick, have a big thick screw, which means it pushes it against the side of the bottle, which makes it hard to get out. Of. And I, I just absolutely loathe them. I <laughs> really have a real hatred of them. There's a yoke you can get called the Wine Thief, or it, you basically, it's got two metal um, bars, two metal sort of strips, and you wiggle it in and then twist it out. And they're quite effective, especially for crumbly corks, if this man has got nice old bottles and that's what the problem is. Yeah, because corks do disintegrate. I mean, they do, yeah. they, you know, and you know, if you have very expensive wine, you can go to bottling clinics where they will rebottle your bottle of Penfold's Grange, which costs 500 euros a bottle. Oh, and dear. So, yeah, yes. of course they will. Or we can just hire someone to open them for us. Yes. When we yes. used to be able to do that, they were called restaurants, apparently. Our, our hashtag is nudist movies. Wangs of New York being one example of that. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. One more movie, one more wine after this. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. Uh, we're about halfway through uh, Movies and Booze. Uh, we've already talked uh, about uh, Vino Verde from uh, Portugal. Uh, we've also talked about uh, the movie Sound of Metal, uh, which uh, Esther really loved. Uh, it, it should be said, though, maybe there's a, a bit in the middle uh, that might be uh, that might slow things down a bit. Uh, Fanula was also telling us uh, about Amanda Seyfried trying to uh, uh, get a movie role. And uh, Susan uh, of uh, Fanula in Kilkenny completely agrees with you after to say. She says, no, no, no. To Amanda Seyfried as Glenda, just know her trilling in Les Miserables movie was awful. She seems lovely and all, very funny in Mean Girls, but no, not Glenda. Hope he casts lesser known actors like he has for In the Heights. So that's pretty much what you were saying as well. Yeah, and I'd imagine that is the tact he's going to take. I'd say whatever way this casting goes, like as I said, Amanda Seyfried kind of, she dropped a few other names about Elphaba, like Anna Kendrick and Anne Hathaway and stuff, obviously because she starred alongside her. Like this is going to be very contentious because musical theatre fans are very precious about Wicked. So big shoes to fill, big, big shoes. Yeah, but even the names you mentioned, they're the kind of usual suspects, really. I think like... Exactly, yeah, but yeah. 
yeah. yeah. But I think as that uh, as that person said, I think they're going to go for kind of the unknowns up and comers, which I think will be really good. Right. Okay. Now, uh, um, uh, Kevin Bacon. This isn't really so much uh, uh, news about stuff happening in Hollywood, but it's an interesting story nonetheless. Any for anybody, uh, especially out there who's thinking of getting married uh, in the near future, if you're going to buy an engagement ring, it's probably best to consult with the person you intend to marry first. Yeah, I just thought this was so funny. So he was on um, the Kelly Clarkson show this week and it came up about uh, his relationship with Kira Sedgwick. Like, obviously, they're kind of this golden couple of Hollywood for being together. They're married for 32 years and they're always one of these couples that it's like, oh, my God, if they break up, I don't believe in love anymore. But as it turns out, like, he went away. He didn't tell anyone that when he did propose that he he was going to propose and kind of all very secret. And he said he picked out this ring that he thought, in his own words, was banging. Um, and then he said three months later, they were, yeah, I know, in strange words to use to describe a ring. But anyway, mm. he said three months later, they were lying in bed together. She wakes up crying, uh, cannot get the words out. And he's like, what is going on? Like, are you OK? And she's basically just like, I don't like the ring. And um, he just says he had to talk her off a ledge and they went away and got a different ring. And he wasn't that offended. But he said the cure felt like really terrible about bringing it up in the first place. But um, yeah, as you said, uh, it's worth talking to the other half um, yeah. so that you don't end up getting a ring that is absolutely not banging. That's, banging rings only, guys. No, not not banging. It's probably not a good idea. That's why they're together for 32 years because, you know, <laughs> bit of communication there. The hashtag is yeah. nudist movies, uh, breast in show uh, being one example of that. Leslie, tell us about our second one today. Okay, so we've gone from the north of Portugal down to the, the south of Portugal, and not the very south, because that would be um, the Algarve. Now, there is some wine made in the Algarve. Cliff Richard famously makes a wine down there. Um, he bought an old estate. And the person who makes that wine, David Barristock, is based about uh, 50, 60 miles north of that in near a town called Evora in the Alentejo. And that wine is Esperau. Um, in Portugal, you tend to soften everything, so it's Esperau. Um, so it's Esperau is arguably one of the great um, Portuguese wines, certainly the best wine in, well, one of the better wines in, in Alentejo. Um, Alentejo is a relatively new region in the sense that it's really demarcated the last sort of 25 years or so. Um, but uh, David's an interesting guy from the Barossa Valley, married a Portuguese woman, and she convinced him to come back to Portugal. And um, and he makes like he makes a lot of wine. He makes like several million bottles of wine in in the Alentejo because it's mm. it's it's not a very populous region. So there's plenty. Land isn't expensive down there. It's warm. Um, it's one of those. Um, it's a really lovely place. I remember I visited there in December one year, and uh, it was just really crystal clean blue skies and because it's quite depopulated i mean it was perfect if, if anyone's into star watching and stuff like that it was it was lovely um there was uh, anyway I, I won't go on about that because we can't go there yet unfortunately yes, indeed, but, yeah. <laughs> and we're a bit stuck for time as well leslie so let's get to the main okay, event so bright juicy red wine from uh, portugal Esperau. it's about 25 euros it's in all kinds of independent off-licenses. Like I said, it's in the Vintry, it's in Martins, it's in Baggett Street Wines, and it's down the country in a few places. Um, it's it, just local grapes again, um, and just lo- a bit of oak, but loads of bright blueberries and juicy fruits and so on. Perfect for warming you up. Okay, absolutely lovely. Uh, thanks, Leslie. Right, we'll move on to our second uh, movie of the day. It is Thunder Force. Here's a clip. Thunder Force needs this bus. Lydia, no. Do not throw that bus. Lydia, I got it. No, they're too far away. Do not throw that bus. I can't hear you because I'm literally throwing a bus. Dads, that lady just threw a bus. Oh my God, I just threw a bus. Wow. 
Melissa McCarthy has superpowers, uh, her superpower being the ability to make a film after film absolutely bomb. Uh, so uh, uh, does she always have her superpowers, Esther, or did she get them someplace? She got them someplace by accident. So there was, um, this should have been funny. It could have been funny. It was, there's a silly premise to it, which they should have leaned in on. Um, back in the 1980s, interstellar, I know how interested you are in science, John. So interstellar cosmic rays struck the earth and its population, mm. triggering a genetic transformation in a select few, giving them unimaginable superpowers. Okay. Unfortunately, those superpowers were only unlocked in sociopaths. So they're called miscreants. Um, Emily, who's uh, Octavia Spencer's character's parents were killed by them and her life ambas- ambition has become a scientific genius to help ordinary people get superpowers and fight back against their power. Right. Um, her best friend since school has been uh, Lydia, who's played by Melissa McCarthy, who comes to um, drag her into the high school union in the office one day and accidentally falls into um, one of Emily, uh, Emily's experiments. So this gives uh, Melissa super strength, which was meant for Emily. And Emily then ha- realizes she has to join forces with this woman and it goes for her own um, cloak of invisibility and they decide to take on these um, miscreants. They're led by great cast like Jason Bateman playing the crab. Um, this made me laugh out loud. Mm. He he's got, he's he's got hands like a crab, and his superpower came about came about when he was bitten in the genitalia by a crab. <laughs> so um, <laughs> a lovely take on the Spider Man backstory. There. Yeah. Um, and and you know they're trying to take him down, and they f- discover then that there is a shady character trying to get all of the bad superheroes together. Um, a la Marvel uh, and he's known as the King he's played by Bobby Cannaval, uh, a man with p- political ambitions as well as criminal ones and there's lots of other characters popping in and out um, the concept is pretty sound but the jokes aren't there and what mm. happens as a result of that is which it, it's cringing cringeworthy in comedy when they're when the actors are overreaching to paper over the cracks of the material that isn't there so that's what M- Melissa McCarthy is doing if you find her shrill you're getting shrill here. And I think Spencer is totally um, wasted as her sidekick as well. She makes a total straight laced character and there was no need to do that at all. Uh, as, as we saw, like McCarthy is really good with riffing with a good co-star. We saw it with Sandra Bullock in The Heat and with Jude Law in Spy. And I think, you know, if there was a better script here, they could have had a hell of a lot of fun with this. It's very formulaic. Um, uh, somebody and, who seems yeah. to have seen it says, is this an action movie or a chick flick? At times it seems to take the mickey out of both genres. I'm thinking of a fight scene with a criminal with crab hands that turns into a dancing scene. Does this film have an identity crisis? It does have an identity crisis. It's even trying to be a drama in places. There's a backstory between two girls falling out when they're younger. And I'm going, gosh, what is this? You know, and what it is, is the script not being right and everyone throwing everything at it, mm. you know, and it's just that sense of um, desperation to get to the next joke. And I think proof, you know, if it were needed, that comedy is the hardest genre to get right. Yeah. It's so tricky to, to, to nail comedy, I think. But indeed, this um, is, a, this is on Netflix, though. Esther, is it? It's on Netflix from today. Yeah. From today. Okay, there you go. Right, so that's uh, Thunder uh, Thunder Force. Uh, that's on Netflix. Don't bother or uh, be really, really drunk. Uh, and Sound of Metal, that's available on Amazon Prime uh, uh, from this Monday. Uh, and uh, that's uh, 
it's excellent but you know uh, be in the right frame of mind uh, to watch a, a movie like that uh, thank you all uh, very much uh, as ever there. you have been listening to Fanula Jones Lizzie Williams and Esther McCarthy Movies and Booze on Moncrief brought to you by Lidl's award winning wine range Lidl more for you credit card brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.